0: All right, today I want to go ahead and, Sister Fowler, put up that first slide. We're going to be talking about the title of today's message is Here Comes the Dreamer. And uh, I thought it was a good thing. I've got some books that I authored when we were in Poland. I really need to get down to business and, and reprint some of these and write some of the new ones. I have eight finished books in my computer that have never yet seen the light of day, wow. and I need to change that. But what I want to do this morning is... Um, if anyone is in here, I think I have six of these, and the title of this book is The ABCs of Dream Development, uh, Giving You the Power, I love this, this is how you know it was done in Poland, <laughs> Giving You the Power to Archive. <laughs> I wrote it in Poland and they had to, they weren't real, uh, you know, they, were, they spoke English about like I do giving you the power to achieve, so uh, that's supposed to be achieve, but anyhow, if you would like this book, go ahead, I got six of them, if you would like this book, come up here and get one, I want to sow these into your lives, I got six of them, there you go sir, love you, God bless you, the reason I'm asking you to come up is to take me forever to hobble out to you, I have one more, come on up here, oh look who's sitting in church, How you doing, young lady? Everyone, I I want you all to see my favorite church member. (laughs) Miss Betty always says everyone's my favorite church member. That's true. Amen. All right, you ready? Here comes the dreamer. I got a question for you as we get started. Are you known by those who know you as a dreamer? I'm going to say it again. Are you known by those who know you? As a dreamer? And if not, why not? Because I want to say, like I told you last week, that as children of God, you and I are obligated to be dreamers, obligated to be visionaries, obligated to have kingdom objectives. If we're walking by faith, how many of you know you never get too old for faith? Right. you never reach i heard gloria copeland say this many years ago you never reach a place where faith is no longer required of you Amen. it will always be required whether you just got saved today or you've been serving god for 80 years yeah. wherever you are in that journey of life if you're a christian it is required of you to live by faith Amen, if you're living by faith you're living according to a vision yes, sir. a dream yes, sir. um Many years ago, I heard a spiritual father say, and I've learned some things over about faith over the past 30 plus years that I've been trying to be a good Christian, but I heard a spiritual father say many years ago that unproductive faith, faith that doesn't produce is not biblical faith. And what I've learned over the years is that biblical faith is focused. Everyone say Focused. Focus. My wife has tried many times over the years that she would always, you know, when we needed something, she would say, Love, if you'll just decide what it is you want, we'll get it. She said, God always gives us what you're asking for when you finally make up your mind. And it wasn't too long ago I had a, 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 a revelation. See, for years I thought what she was saying is, Love, you are such a great man of faith. Your faith is so highly developed that if you would just focus it, we'll always get what you're believing for. But then I realized she's been getting what she asked God for since she was like 10 years old. So really what she was saying was not you are so highly developed. She was saying like, would you come up to my level so we can be in agreement? That was my revelation. Because she's always known how to focus her faith and believe God for something. But it is true if we're not focused. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, which is an earnest expectation of a favorable outcome. If you have nothing that you're hoping for, faith has nothing to give substance to. Right? So faith always has an object, an objective, something it's believing for. And biblical faith is always productive faith. Our faith is meant to be productive, not destructive. That's just a little rabbit right there. So faith is always focused. Now, what I've learned over the years, and you see this in the life of Abraham, you see it in the life of uh, really everyone that walked by faith in the Bible, is that faith has two primary objectives or two primary focuses. It focuses on two things. This is going to help you. Okay, everyone say, I'm listening. Because you and I need to be dreamers. We are obligated to be dreamers and we have an obligation to this planet to do more than wait to die. Right. You following me? Right. I, I want to say it again. The church was not put here to occupy space and wait until we die. Amen. The church was put here to make a difference. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the difference makers. If, if Listen, you and I are obligated by the word to be the doers of the impossible. Yes. We are the ones who see the invisible. We are the ones who do the impossible. We can't wait for the world to do that. They can't see the invisible. You and I are obligated to believe beyond what they think is probable and achieve it. We're called to be the dreamers, the visionaries, the ones who accomplish, the ones who sow in a time of famine and prosper even when everything else is falling apart. You and I are called to make a difference, to make a mark that is not easily erased on this planet. In order to make a difference, we've got to be dreamers. We must believe in more than what we see. And even if what we see is the result of last year's faith, we don't set down and settle down in what we've got. If we've already achieved what we were believing for next year, then we create a new objective. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And this is our obligation. It's our duty. We owe it wow. to the people who are lost in darkness yeah. to be the dreamers. So faith always has two focuses. It focuses first on a who. The primary focus of faith is on a who. That's Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The secondary objective or focus of faith is on a what? Mm -hmm. His promise, his word, your dream, your vision, that redemptive reality that God has placed within you. So everyone, the, the primary focus of faith is on a who yes, sir. the secondary is on a what yes, sir. Come on. now here's what I want you to see I've seen this happen in far too many people's lives they grow impatient with the pace of God and so they take the secondary and make it the primary yes. Yes. they focus more on the what than they do the who now the danger in this in that is this if you change the order and you make the secondary the primary, you will swear allegiance to whoever who will give you the what. Because now the what's become more important than the who. And so if you can get it out of the kingdom faster than you can get it in the kingdom, you'll swear allegiance to a new king. So there are always two objectives, but make sure you keep the primary the primary. This is what we see Abraham did. He... Considered not his body because he considered him who had promised faithful. The primary objective was God. If the primary objective is God, you'll keep on keeping on knowing he's faithful to do it. He'll do it in time, but you just keep on moving on and eventually he'll do it. Amen. Amen. But if we're living by faith, that means we are visionaries. We're not just waiting to die. Now, another thing I want to say is laying the foundation to get into this is this nothing disqualifies us from being a dreamer not the number of our sins not the number of our failures not the number of years lived i want to say that again because see a great many of us think we're disqualified from being super achievers because of the number of our failures well, can I ask you this? Does the number of your failures disqualify you from faith? No. 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 Does the number of your sins disqualify you from faith? No, 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 no. no. Does the number of your years lived disqualify you from faith? No. no. So if, if, the, if those numbers are irrelevant when it comes to faith, then those numbers are irrelevant when it comes to vision or dream. Pastor, you don't know how many times I've messed up. Well, baby, I could shock you by how many times I've messed up. But i got a dream. I've got a vision. I've got something I'm working on. In fact, i got multiples that I'm working on. So nothing disqualifies us from dreaming. We don't retire. Now listen to this. We don't retire from living by faith. We can retire from a job but the kingdom is not a job, it's a lifestyle. You don't retire from your vision. You don't retire from a dream. Amen? Hallelujah, Father. Okay, now let's go, go, to, the, well, let's go to the book of Joshua. I want to show you this, and then we'll go to the book of Genesis, and we'll get started. This is all the introduction. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. I love this. This is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. Because if we keep our focus on who, and we keep moving forward, I like there was was I think it was the movie called Rocky Balboa. It was like Rocky number twenty-seven or something like that, (laughs) where he was having a talk with his son, and his son was discouraged, and his son was blaming everyone else for his failures. And Rocky gives us really motivational speech that that where he talks about how rough life is, and he said life will hit you, and it'll drive you to your knees if you let it. It's not about how hard, you can tell I've listened to it more than once. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Wow. And see, that, 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 that's really about, that's what faith is, right? Because if you're, I've had people tell me, so many, Pastor, I, you know, I started walking toward my dream. I started deciding I was going to be a good Christian. I was going to follow the Lord. I was going to pursue the Lord and all hell broke loose. Yeah. Did you expect any difference? See, a lot of us, we expect, well, if I, if I, if I just make a commitment to the Lord, it's all going to be good. No, baby, that's when the struggle's really going to start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not committed, the enemy's not that threatened by you. But it's when you decide I'm going to achieve that for which I was born. I'm going to become more than who I am. And I'm no, going, I'm no longer going to allow the sins and the failures of past years to define me. I'm going to, I'm going to become what the Lord has called me. Now you become a threat. You preach. Come on. So you take the hits and you keep moving forward because the hits don't stop me they invigorate me because I know if I'm getting fought on a physical front and a spiritual front and all these other fronts then I must be moving in the right direction amen so we just got to keep moving forward keep pressing toward the objective of fulfilling that dream and don't stop never stop In Joshua, these words are written in Joshua for our admonition and to give us a hope. Joshua said this in verse 14 of chapter 23. Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word. Everyone say not one word. Do you know how many words God wants to produce in your life? All of them. He watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't want, in fact, the Bible says this. God said, when I send out my word, it accomplishes what I sent it out to do. And not one word, everyone say not one word." one word. That means the word he's spoken over you. I want that to say lie. Not one word. And that means the words he's spoken over you. He said, when I send out my word to you, it accomplishes what I send it out to do. And not one word that has come out of my lips will return to me void, but it will accomplish the purposes, the objectives, and the dreams I send it out to do. Everyone say, that one word is my word the word he has given to you if you don't stop the only one that can negate it my friend is you but if you won't quit if you won't give up if you won't give in if you won't get out then just like Joshua you'll be able to say at the end of your days listen y'all I've lived a long time and today I'm going the way of all the earth but every one of you know You got got to say it like a preacher when you say it. Now, every one of you, you know that not one word that God has spoken over us, not one word, not one dream, not one vision, not one objective that God has given me has failed to come to pass. Not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you, not one of them has failed. I gotta tell you, over the years, I've learned to be a kingdom optimist. I believe in good things. One time we were ministering in Europe, and a guy came up to me and he said he had had a vision while I was preaching, and he had to share this with me through a translator. And through the translator, what he said was he talked about everywhere my feet go, flowers grow, and I appreciated that, and that was wonderful. And then he said, and you're just God's cheerleader. Well, the image that came up in my mind, I didn't really like because I don't like seeing me in a miniskirt and (laughs) pom-poms. And so I thought, well, you, Bud, you nailed it at the first part. That I can agree with. The second part, I ain't no cheerleader. Until I looked up what a cheerleader was. And a cheerleader is just someone who's fanatic about someone someone else's success. And I decided at that point, that's okay, put that on my tombstone, God's cheerleader. Because I'm fanatic about your success. I want to see you accomplish and do everything that God has said you would do. I don't want to see you fail not in one thing. And I want to be right there with you. I'm going to admit I'm a little bit selfish in this. I don't want to fail either. I want to be right there with you. I believe that you and I can go together as a family of faith and every one of us accomplish. I don't have to succeed by your failure and you don't have to fail in order for me to succeed. We can all win together. So I wrote this. I've become my own version of an optimist. If I can't make it through one door, I'll happily go through another. And if there ain't no doors, then I'll bloody well make one. Yes, I know what I did, love. If we're on in England, I'm sorry. Hallelujah, Father. Lester Sumrall, I'm getting there. Lester Sumrall, one of my faith heroes, one time was called home. He was on a ministry trip and his son called him and said, Daddy, you need to come home our multi-million dollar television studio has burned down. And so Lester finished his ministry and he got on a plane, he flew home, his son picked him up, and this is a true story. The son said, Daddy, do you want to go see what remains of the TV studio? And you got to remember, this was in a day when TV studios cost a lot of money. And Lester said, is there anything left to salvage? And the son said, no, sir, it's all burned to the ground, it's all ashes. Then Lester said, I want... Don't take me there, take me to the architect, because we need to go talk about rebuilding. And see, that's something you and I need to learn. If it's burned down, why are you you sitting like Job, sitting in the ashes of broken dreams and disappointments and throwing up ashes in the air and having a pity party and waiting for everyone to join you? Move on. on. Well, Pastor, I thought this was going to be, I know I've had those moments too where I thought this was going to be it. They were going to be the ones. This was the moment. It turned out to be a bunch of nonsense and lies and ashes. Well, you don't stop, sit down, and throw ashes in the air and say, everyone look at me and feel sorry for me you move on go to the architect that's him and say how do we rebuild so if we're going to be achievers of the impossible you can't sit down you've got to move on hallelujah father now let's go ahead and get started go to the book of genesis chapter 37 verse 19 While you're turning there, let me say this to you. The only limitations to our tomorrow is our doubts and fears of today. So if we can divorce ourselves from the doubts and the fears, then we can move forward together with strong, active faith and achieve our dreams. Amen? In Genesis chapter 37, verse 19, a very short verse says, Here comes the dreamer, they said. Joseph was known by those who knew him as a dreamer. Now here's what you need to see is that this was not a complimentary, how you doing? This was insulting and condescending. And this, this <clears throat> there's so many, listen, if you and I are going to be dreamers and we're obligated to be dreamers, one of the first things that we're going to have to reconcile in our mind is not everyone's going to applaud your dreams. And if you need everyone to applaud what you do and what you say and what you think, then you're going to have to surrender your destiny and become apathetic just like they are. Because they'll only applaud you if you're like them. And when you choose to believe that you were born for a higher purpose, those who were born into the same circumstances you will, will not applaud you. Hmm. You can't expect everyone to celebrate your dream Your vision or your faith Not even your family Let's look at verses 5 And we're going to read through verses 11 Same chapter One night, this is verse 5, chapter 37, Genesis One night, Joseph had a dream When he told his brothers about it They hated him more than ever Now see, over the years I've heard people say that The reason why they hated Joseph was because Joseph shared his dream. And that's partly true, but it's not the truth. And we miss it if we don't understand that. The Bible doesn't say that they hated him because of his dream. They hated him even more because of his dream. They already hated him. And the reason they hated him is because he was beloved of his father and the favorite. I'm going to tell you right now, you and I need to accept the fact we are the beloved of God. Yeah, God is in love with me. My father loves me. Yeah. Saying that will make some people angry at you. Yeah. It ain't about your dream. It ain't about your vision. It's the fact that you would be audacious enough to say God loves me. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Behold God's favor right. Right, And they think that's arrogance, and it's really not arrogance, it's confidence. Because he said in his word that God has inscribed my name and the palm of his hand. God's got a tattoo that says, I love Jimmy. God loves Jimmy, Jesus plus Jimmy with the heart around. And see, when I become confident in that, that's enough to stir up hatred in some people. So they hated Joseph because he was beloved of his father and he was his favorite. Then when you add to it that he was a dreamer, they hated him even more. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Amen. Now here's a word to the wise. Do be cautious in who you share your dream with. Because if they already hate you, now this is deep Bible school stuff. This is like y'all ought to be paying tuition for me to share this. If they already hate you and you share your dream with them, they ain't going to suddenly celebrate you. If they already don't like you and you share with them that God gave you a vision of accomplishing something great with your life. Hear me when I say this. They are not going to help you strategize your success, but they will gladly plot your downfall. but the flip side of that coin is you and I cannot allow the fear of men to shut the voice of faith because if we believe it we gotta say it just be aware of who you're saying it to this is the reason why it's so important that you be surrounded by dreamers this is why you got not to join yourself to just any congregation because there's a great many congregation that don't tolerate dreamers then you go and you join yourself because of tradition to a congregation that doesn't celebrate dreamers. And then you either have to divorce yourself from your dream or get prosecuted. So be cautious, but don't be silent. You've got to, if you believe it, say it. Are you all with me this morning? I said it to you last week. If you see it, you got to say it because you get what you say. So don't allow the fear of men to silence your voice of faith. Go ahead. In fact, let me show you this verse. Is this okay? I've been dwelling on this all week, and I've been waiting for you all to show up to give me an excuse. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, this is what the master said. What I tell you in darkness. When do most people dream? Yes. What I tell you in darkness, what I show you in dreams of the night, Preach, uh-huh. you better speak in the light. Yeah, yeah. And what you hear, proclaim it from the housetops. Yeah. But get ready for the blowback. Yeah. But you got to understand this that no weapon formed against you can oh. prosper, and every word spoken over you in judgment, you have the right to condemn. So you don't allow fear to silence you. You proclaim it, but you understand not everyone's going to celebrate it. But that's okay because you should never mistake the will of the majority with the will of God. Anyhow, everyone say, "I am," and I will always be a dreamer. Now let's continue. Let's jump back to our text. Is this okay this morning? I'm telling you, I, I, so far I'm loving 2021. God's already given me the next three sermons. And they're good. The only thing that stops me from preaching all of them to you right now is I know your attention span ain't that long. But if it was, I'd try. My foot's feeling good. Happy dance coming back. Verse 6, listen to this dream. We're back at our text. Listen to this dream, he said. I like that, even though he said it to the wrong folk. Listen to this dream. I got to tell you, see, y'all thought I was born poor white trash, uneducated, But God has made something of me. The master done touched the trash and turned it into a masterpiece. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up the bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, Yeah, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you're going to make something of yourself? I'm paraphrasing. You actually think you're going to achieve something? You were born in a trailer, you'll die in a trailer. You were born in a po town, you'll die in a poe town. Not necessarily, bro. If God be for me, it don't matter who sets themselves up against me. And if God gave me the dream, not one good word not one, will fail to come to pass. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, verse 9, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I wonder if he didn't do this on purpose. I have had another dream, he said. The sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well. And to his brothers and his fa- father scolded him. Amen. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Listen, can I ask you a question? Just because they didn't understand it, did that mean it wasn't of God? No, sir. Just because they ridiculed it and scolded him for it, does that mean it wasn't of God? No, Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? Well, if we could jump ahead several chapters, we'd find out, yep-er. You most certainly will, buddy boy. Verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous, everyone say jealous. Jealous. See, you know why most people come against you? This this little monster jealousy. Jealousy is when someone thinks that you're going to have and enjoy what they want that you're going to get ahead at their expense. When they think that you're going to get it and you're getting it, it's going to prohibit them from ever having it. See, that's a lack a poverty mindset. Because if we're in the kingdom, you get it, I celebrate with you because I know if God did it for you, God will do it for me. Because in the kingdom, there is no scarcity. In the kingdom, there is no lack. So I don't have to secretly be jealous that you got it. In fact, I've got several people in my life, <clears throat> I should narrow that, a handful of people, that when something good happens to them, they'll call me. And that their stated reason, now listen to this, their stated reason, their stated reason, their stated reason, I didn't state it, they stated it, that's why I say it was their stated reason. Their stated reason for calling me is because I'm one of the only ones they know that they can share something good in their lives and I don't get jealous. Amen. When God super blesses them, they'll call me. Uh In fact, one of them I know he's watching, he watches all the time, and I'll just go ahead and say it, is Ronnie Reed. Uh Ronnie Reed will call me, and he'll tell me something extraordinary that happened in his life, and he'll say, you're the only one of all the hundreds of pastors I know I can share this with because you don't get angry. And I told him one time, I said, you want to know why, buddy, I don't get angry? He said, why? I said, because if I know, if God will do it for a heathen like you. If I, yeah, he admitted, if I love you, I pick on you, and I pick on Ronnie like a few other people. I said, if I know God will do it, and I know you, you heathen, and if God will do it for you, I can't wait to see what he'll do for me. Amen. You see, that's the way you and I ought to be. If we see God do it for someone, don't get jealous. Yeah. Get happy. Celebrate their success as if it was your own, because if you'll celebrate what God will do for them, God will do it for you. Yeah. But if you become jealous and you start plotting their downfall, Mm. This is the reason why you need to surround yourself with some people who, even if they ain't where you're going, they will not let your downfall for going there. They'll help strategize you. Jealousy is a passion that springs from fear. Listen to this: if someone can't, oh, I like this. If someone was that, jealousy is a passion fear. I can only say it again because I wrote it down. If someone, listen to this, if someone can't tolerate your dream, they will not celebrate your victory. Mm. If they get angry at you for nothing more than believing in a favorable outcome to a divine purpose, they are not going to strategize your success. I want to say that again. If they'll get angry at you for nothing more than believing, they are not going to help you succeed. Now, coming to Joseph, let's ask some questions here, ready? Was he thrown into a pit? Yes. Did that stop him? No. Was he sold into slavery? Yes. Did that stop him? No. Was he falsely accused? Yes. Did that stop him? No. Are you starting to get the point? If you won't quit, if you won't divorce yourself from your own dream, it doesn't matter how many hits you've taken, and it doesn't matter how many years have passed from the time of inception till the time of deliverance. If you conceived it, you can have it, but you can't abort it. That's good, brother. Yes, sir. Was he thrown into prison? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Did that stop him? No, sir. no, Was he in prison forgotten and abandoned? Yes. He was. yes. Did that stop him? No, if you won't quit, if you'll keep moving forward, even when you take a hit, God will fulfill every word. You beginning to see, see a lot. Listen, you sometimes we we think, well, if God actually told me to do this, the way would be a lot smoother. Where'd you get that? I mean, where'd you get that? That ain't in the Bible. You got that from a self-help book somewhere at Barnes and Noble. And you thought because it was in a self-help book, it must be what the Bible said. No, baby, let the Bible be the Bible. Yeah. You see, the, listen, some of us, we're too well-informed to hear the voice of God. On, yeah. wow. Wow. What do you mean by that? you got too many voices rumbling around up yes. in there. And what you need to do is focus on the divine voice yes. instead of everyone else's voice. Yes. You ought to be very selective in who you read and what you listen to. It's just like those folks that spend all day on social media. Then they get confused, and they say, Pastor, why can't I hear the voice of God? Well, how much time did you spend in worship this week? How much time did you spend in the Word? Well, let me see your screen time. Well, Pastor, I ain't got time to pray. Well, it says right here you were on Facebook for eight hours. Sorry, I'm meddling. But we all need to hear the voice of God in order to succeed. And in order to hear the voice of God, I need to divorce myself from all the pundits and all the voices that are muddying the water and come before God in worship and prayer and the word and say, Father, what do you have to say? Because I ain't concerned about what they got to say. I want to know what he said. Mm. Hallelujah, Father. Go to the book of Psalms. We're going to read this. I said to you last week, listen to this. Kingdom dreams will always require God-like faith. In the revelation of the dream, details are generally left out. The dream is the end game. I like Rick Renner. Rick Renner said many years ago, he said, God is sneaky. he He said, God will give you the end game. He'll give you the dream, but he won't tell you everything you got to go through to get there. And there, you want to know why? And this is, if you've got a problem with this, it's rick at renner.org. <laughs> the reason why is because if God lets you know everything you'd have to go through in order to become the person he called you to do, you would never get out of bed. You would hide yourself away from society, and you would never know the thrill of victory that only comes through a time of testing. And so God gives you the end game. He says, I'm going to do this for you. You're going to have this land, and you're going to live in this house, and you're going to achieve this, and you're going to write books and build ministries and businesses, and you're going to do all these things. And you're like, yeah, God, I'm going to do it. And then you start your journey, and it's like, bam. Oh, I didn't expect that. Boom. Oh, that hurt. Bang. God, why didn't you tell me I was going to go through this? Because, baby, I know you. And if I told you what they were going to do to you, you would have never stepped out the front door. But understand this, in all of your persecutions, in all of the trials, in all of the testings, my grace is more than sufficient for you. Because when you go through it, I'm a very present help in that time of trouble. Hmm. There are some aspects of my father. David said this. David said, in my distress, you've enlarged me. See, there are some things in our modern-day churches, we're missing out on a whole lot of things because sometimes it doesn't fit the narrative. But there are verses you and I need to know because we're experiencing them. They just ain't being explained to us. David said, in my distress. You enlarged me. You made me bigger. You made me stronger. You made me more than who I am. But you didn't do it in the temple. You didn't do it in the church. You did it when they, I would You did it when they betrayed me. You did it when my own son tried to unseat me from the throne. You did it when they cursed me. When I went out and I won and Saul tried to kill me because I did what he asked me in my distress you enlarge me there are certain things about God you and I'll never know if we don't walk by faith and try to achieve our dreams if we're always looking for a safe place I'm so tired about hearing safe place where in life do you ever find a safe place man you ain't even safe in your own house you know where I hurt my foot in my house I, I told you all I'm going to change my story because everyone's saying, Pastor, what would you do? I got tired of telling you all I kicked the door. So I changed my story. I fought off 15 armed men because they were trying to hurt my wife. Everybody was a kung fu fighting. It ain't true, but it sure sounds better. You see, what I'm saying is there ain't no safe place. Quit looking for a safe place. Quit looking for a place where there ain't no challenge. Quit looking for a place where you're never in distress. Press through those times. Because you'll discover that the God that's on the mountain is the very same God that's in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where's the good if we don't ever step out and realize I'm trying to do something for this planet, before I die, I'm going to do something for this planet. There are, there, I'll take hits, but I'll discover he's my shield. Mm. Being a dreamer will require risk. But once again, there ain't no safe place. And I'll tell you another, is this okay this morning? Another word that irritates me, I hear it, this is unprecedented unprecedented i don't even know if they've ever googled it find out what it means because it's unprecedented the bible says there ain't nothing new under the sun everything that's been done will be done and that which is being done has already been done but it's unprecedented you know what they're trying to tell you ain't nobody ever lived through this before and it's meant to make you hopeless It's meant to make you feel that these are the darkest times the planet's ever experienced. It's unprecedented. Oh no, it's been done. And if they survived it, I can survive it. And if they sowed in a time of famine and prospered, I can sow in a time of famine and prosper. And if they stepped out on the Word of God and was healed, I can step out of the Word of God and be healed. And if they stepped out of the boat and walked on water, I can step out of the boat and walk on water. And if the Word of God didn't fail them, the Word of God won't fail me. For if God ever did it for anyone else, He'll do it for me too. Hallelujah, Father. Psalm 37, verse 23. As I said the We got to be willing to step out of our front door and realize to become more than who we are, we got to do things we weren't willing to do before. I remember one time I went into GNC, and the guy who weighed in on me looked like I want to (laughs) look. He was muscular. Man, his muscles had muscles. And he walked up, I'm, I'm looking at all the vitamins. And I was probably 70 pounds heavier than I am right now then. I'm, he's looking, I'm looking at all the vitamins. He walks up. He said, sir, is there anything I can help you with? At first, I want to say, yeah, don't call me sir. <laughs> My grandpa, sir. But I said, yeah. <clears throat> I looked him up and down. I said, I'm looking for the pill up here that'll make me look like you. <laughs> Pastor, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. I want it now. <laughs> I don't want to go through what he had to go through. I just want the pill. (laughs) Y'all laughing, but you're exactly like that. We want the dream now. I want it now. And the Lord says, well, you got to grow up a little bit. You're kind of flabby. You got to tighten them abs up. You got to tighten those faith muscles up. You got to learn how to take some hits. You got to walk through some things. And you're like, no, Lord, I just want the gospel. And you know what he told me? He said, sir, he said, there ain't no pill on our shelf like that. And I want to say, then what y'all open for? He said, this is diet. Cussed at me right there. Diet. And this is exercise. Cuss number two. You know what I did? I walked out the door. I aborted the hope of being muscular. That's deep preaching right there. Because, see, some of us, when we found out the cost See, years ago, I've shared with you, y'all can do anything and have anything you want in life if you're willing to pay the price. There's a price for everything. Listen, you can live at the top of the hill. You don't have to live at the bottom of the hill. The only difference between the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill is cost. Oh, you can blame it on everything you want. But if you can pay the cost, they'll let you in. preaching right here because we're always blaming someone else and the truth of the matter the only prohibition is cost if you're willing to pay the price you can have it you can be it and it's that same way in the kingdom see I want to preach like T.D. Jakes am I willing to pay that man knows the word bro Are you willing to spend the price to stay in the word that long? I want to have the anointing of Smith Wigglesworth. That man prayed longer than most people could stay awake. Are you willing to pay the price? You can be it. You can have it. You can do it. There are no impossibilities to those that believe except for this one. Are you willing to walk by faith and do it? We got to take the steps. Are you in the book of Psalms yet? Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Wow. Listen to this. I want to break this apart for you. The psalmist is telling us that God has arranged a path for you. Before you were ever born, God laid out the path. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, he established the redemptive reality of your life. He has ordered and arranged your steps, but they are still your steps. The steps of a righteous man. One of the things I've discovered is if you don't move, God won't move you. He'll try, but he will not move you. He'll urge you, but he will not move you. Hmm. You must decide not, get this, not only to move, but to move in the right direction. Move in the direction of the redemptive reality of your heart, that dream that God has placed within you. When you do, God delights in your way. He delights that you decided to get your move on. (laughs) That's what it's saying. That's what the psalmist is saying. The steps of a righteous man, they're the man's. But the Lord delights in his way the fact that the man decided to move in the direction of the redemptive realities of his life. Hmm. But get this. Even when you are moving and moving in the right direction, going along the path that the Lord ordained for you, verse 24, when he falls... That word falls is an ancient Hebrew word which means to be cast down like trash. Made to feel worthless. You following me? When you begin to move in the right direction of the redemptive realities of your life, there are going to be those who will so disdain your dream, they'll make you feel like trash. Is that the Lord's ordination? No. It's an observation. This is what men will do. So you're moving in the right direction. You're doing everything the Lord told you to do. And somebody comes along and trashes it. That's the fall. He's made to feel worthless. He's made to feel you'll never be significant. You'll never accomplish it. Why are you trying? Don't you know you're too old? You're too young. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat. You're too skinny. Have you all ever heard those? You're too much of everything. But when he falls, when he's made to feel worthless... He will not be hurled headlong. And this word hurled is another ancient word that means to be buried. Because in the old days, you buried your stuff. You buried your trash. There wasn't trash collectors. You buried it. So what the Lord is saying is that when they bury you with their words, when they bury your dreams with all their trash talk, the Lord says, even if you're going in the right direction, there's going to be moments in your life you're feel worthless, like it ain't never going to work, you're never going to get there, it's never going to be made manifest. The Lord says, you're not going to be buried, you might feel like you're being buried, but you're not going to be buried. Why? Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Yes. As you pursue your dream, you're going to take some hits. Come on. You're going to hear some harsh words. That'll make you feel like you're wasting your time. That your hopes, your dreams, maybe even your person are worthless. And then you begin to feel like you're getting buried by it all. But the Lord, how many of you may, I've heard you, I've told you before, and I'm bringing this to a close. That the Lord never ends on a negative. I'm so grateful he never ends on a negative. He says, you're going to get hit, babe. I love you, but you're going to get hit. There are people in your life that are just mean. They're not my children yet. They're children of darkness. They might even go to your church. But they're going to use harsh words and they're going to stab you in the back and you're going to be persecuted. But he doesn't stop there. But God. You've heard me say before, God is the only one that really knows you and yet he's never used a single word against you. He's never spoken a negative phrase about you. God is always complimentary. He, he calls you out of where you are to where you can be. Yes. God always speaks to your destiny and never your history. Right. There's going to be moments as you're pursuing your dream, you feel like it ain't never going to come to pass. And, yes. and when you're feeling like that, you'll be amazed at how many people will celebrate your momentary disillusionment. Uh-huh. I've met people before, met one, I'll say one, I met one person in the store who used to attend our church and, didn't get what he wanted so he left And we met him one time in a store And he looked at me with a smile and he said So I heard real life church closed I wanted to say the story of our demise Is greatly exaggerated <laughs> <laughs> So did y'all close the door? Did you? Did you? I knew when I left you wouldn't make it See gonna be people when they exit their lives They pray for your downfall Amen, Because misery Loves company. And you, you need to understand that even if they walk away from you, you keep walking on. Right. If they're not willing to walk with you, you don't stop your journey in order to go back and get them. They have an option. They can walk on or they can stop. But you and I, we need, we need, to, we need to have that George Jefferson anointing. Y'all don't even know. See, you got to be anointed to understand the George Jefferson anointing. Moving on up. To the east side. To a big old apartment Uh in the sky, sky. (laughs) I, I. Y'all follow me? See, God's called you to great things. Don't you ever believe anything else? There is no such thing as an insignificant man, an insignificant woman in the kingdom of God. We all have a purpose. The Father has touched each and every one of us, and you are born to do great things. Those great things may never make you famous. It ain't about the fame. It ain't even really about the world's idea of fortune. But when you follow God, you will eventually find yourself in what the psalmist called a wealthy place. Yes. There's nothing broken. There's nothing missing. Everything has been restored. Amen. Your life has been stripped of all drama because every day when you wake up, you're not looking for bad news. You're looking for good news. And when you open up the door, there's new gifts. There's new mercy. There's new love waiting for you. This is the inheritance of the children of God. Amen? Amen? Yes, sir. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise your dream is worth dreaming and it's a precious thing I personally believe that you should never abandon the purpose for which you were born and you should never surrender your individuality for the conformity of the crowd God didn't call you to be like everyone else he didn't call you to dance like him so why try he didn't call you to sing like them, so why try? Right. He didn't call you to walk their path. Right. So be who God called right. you to be. Yes. Be you. Yes. Be the best you that you can be in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Lord. Steve, I'm going to ask you to come up here. And if you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, you've been disillusioned, disappointment, maybe you're suffering pain, I want you to come up here and allow Steve, and if we have more, than, we'll call up some other people. Vicky, come on up here, too. If you need prayer this morning, they'll lay hands on you. These two have so much anointing in their body. And they'll drive out that darkness with just a word. If you don't know Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, don't let this day go by. In fact, can we pray together? Let's everyone pray. And if this is your first time praying this prayer, make yourself known to us so we can help you in this journey. Because I trust me, you don't want to believe what a lot of people say. I've been in that church. I know what they say. And it makes the journey doubly hard. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I need Jesus. I believe in my heart with all of my heart that he's my Savior. That what he went through, he went through through for me. me. And so I pray pray in his name name that you would receive me, me. clean me up, up. give me a brand new start, put a new hope hope within my heart, and I will make a commitment to you you that I'll live for you you. every day of my life. life. Thank you, Father, Father, for for Jesus, for this new start. And I declare, and I, I just, believe it, just believe it, that I'm, again, that I'm born again. That all those old things, those, old things those addictions, those, those hang-ups, hang all, all of those things, they're no more, life, no more part of my life. But now I'm a child of God. Child of God in, Jesus in Jesus' name. Everyone give the Lord a hand clap yeah. of praise. Yeah. And so. If this was your first time praying that prayer, let us know who you are. If you need prayer this morning, come up and let these two wonderful people pray for you. Other than that, you are dismissed to go be world changers. Amen. 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 God loves you. We love you. And Jesus is Lord. Have a great day.